Everybody fails sometimes. It's no fun. Nobody likes it. You make a mistake. You have a setback. And it just doesn't go the way you thought it would go. How do we deal with failure? How do we deal with life when it doesn't go the way we think it should? When we've tried something, it doesn't work. We can just give up. We can quit trying. We can label ourselves a failure. How do we deal with failure in our life? This is Pastor Greg Winschlag, and this is Life 66. Today, I want to talk to you uh, about just a key thing in life, and that's how to deal with failure. We all deal with failure. Everybody on the planet has failed. I can say this without a doubt. As long as you are human, you will fail. It's not a question of if you fail, but when you fail. So how do we deal with that? There's, there's, there's some key ways to handle such situations. Instead of beating yourself up or letting the, the failures define you and drag you down into negativity month after month, year after year, there are some things we can do to, to help us fail correctly. And I like to call it failing forward. I know there's been some books written with that title, but I thought about that phrase, oh, back in the 80s, and I still think I made it up. But uh, it's a great two-word phrase to help us keep on track, and that is if we're going to fail, we will fail. If we're doing anything, if we're alive, if you're breathing, you're going to fail. But let's fail forward instead of just giving up. And in the Bible, there are two great examples of the, the, the two sides of this issue of failure. One is Peter and one is Judas. And I realize that these two guys were, were both chosen by Christ to follow him, to be his disciples, you know, two of the 12 uh, originators uh, or originals. And they both had uh, failures in their life. For Peter, he was called by Jesus and he followed Christ. But yet pride came into his life. And when Jesus said, you're going to deny me, he said, even if I have to die for you, I won't desert you. And then that very night, he falls asleep in the garden instead of praying with Jesus. When the uh, people come to arrest the Lord, he gets rash and he uh, whips out his sword and tries to kill one of the guys uh, that were coming to arrest him, and he misses. His aim was bad. He was a fisherman, not a swordsman. And he cuts off the guy's ear. Uh, he gets fearful, and he follows Jesus uh, far away off. Um, he tries to mix in with the crowd and blend in instead of standing for his principles. Then he openly denies Christ, and then he out and out curses him. Even when he's in eyeshot, he curses the Lord that he said he would die for. Now, Peter, he repented of that, though. When he realizes what he's done, he goes, he repents, he weeps, and he feels terrible, but he doesn't fail backwards. He fails forward. And soon thereafter, Jesus resurrects from the dead and restores him. And Peter does some phenomenal things for the church and is really uh, maybe known as the, the father of the modern church. He failed forward. Judas, on the other hand, same beginnings. Jesus called him and he followed Christ as one of the original 12. In John chapter 6, when everybody else was leaving the Lord, Judas stayed faithful. He was trusted. He was made the treasurer of the band of disciples. But he had some failings. He got greedy and he began to, to steal out of the money that, that the disciples had. That he sold out because of his love for money. He exchanged Jesus and betrayed him for money. 
Then after the fact, he tried to cover it up, making up for it instead of facing reality. And in the end, instead of uh, repenting the way Peter did, Judas killed himself. He hung himself. Those are two real drastic ways of handling failure. Peter failed. He failed miserably. He may have even failed more often than Judas did. But in the end, he kept getting up. He kept getting up. He kept getting up. And he kept moving forward. Judas, on the other hand, tried to cover it up, tried to cover it up, didn't take responsibility. And then he ended up killing himself. How do we fail forward? It's really important that we learn how to do this. So I want to give you, in the next couple of minutes, eight keys to overcoming failure. Eight keys to overcoming failure. Number one, own your issues. One of the biggest reasons people don't recover from failing is because they've either never admitted they have failed or they blame someone else for their failure. We've all been around people who have done something and then they, it wasn't me, it wasn't me, it was him, it was that other guy. When we all know it was him, you did it, you lied, you you stole, you tried to cover it up, you cut the corner and and didn't do what you were supposed to do. Um, maybe you get fired and because you were you know compulsively late or not meeting your goals, and then when you get fired, you blame the boss. It's the boss's fault. It was your fault. You were the one who was late. You were the one who didn't meet your goals. And so we always want to find ways of blaming someone else or or brushing off the the responsibility. The very first thing in dealing with failure is you've got to own it. It was me. I did it. No one made me do it. No one forced me to do it. Um, I was the one who missed. I was the one who you know, didn't make it all the way. I was the one who made the bad decision. It was me. If we're not going to deal with it, we're never going to overcome failure and fail forward. Peter owned his stuff. He said, I did it. It was me. He wept and he repented. He sought God for, for his forgiveness and he recovered. And that failure, although it was a defining time in his life as far as his growth goes, um, he moved forward and moved past it. Judas never could. He didn't own it. He tried to cover it up and he ended up paying with his life. So number one, own your issues. Number two, accept failure as inevitable. If you try anything, you're going to fail. The only way to not fail is to do nothing. And then you could even say, you know, you fail in life because you didn't do anything. But if you're, if you're going to do anything, you're going to fail. So accept it as inevitable. Just because you failed today or yesterday or the day before doesn't mean you're going to fail the next time. You might have tried something and failed dozens of times. It doesn't mean you're going to fail the next time, especially when it comes to trying to live our lives in um, you know, purity with the Lord. You can fail today and then fail tomorrow and then fail the next day and then fail the next day. That doesn't mean you're going to fail again the next day. It doesn't mean that this has to be forever, even if you've in the past failed over and over and over again and you just can't seem to get over the hump. It doesn't mean you're not going to, ever. It doesn't have to be a constant thing. Just because you failed today or yesterday doesn't mean you'll fail the next time. The truth is that this doesn't have to happen for the rest of your life. You can keep moving forward. You can keep taking action. You can keep learning. You can keep um, gathering people around you. You can keep growing. You can keep... um, just seeking God and, and seeking uh, opportunities to grow and to improve.
It doesn't have to be the definition of the rest of your life. See, what's negative, seeing what's negative as a, is a, as a temporary thing instead of seeing it as a permanent pattern is an essential key to keep an optimistic attitude and to keep going forward in your life. See failure as temporary. Keep moving forward. So number one, own your issues. Number two, accept failures as inevitable. If you're human, you're going to fail. Number three, don't let failure define you. If you're not a failure, or you're not a failure if you fail, that doesn't mean you're a failure. You're a failure if you stop trying. Here's a quote that you might like. It says this, I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost almost 300 games. 26 times I've been trusted to take the game-winning shot and missed. I failed over and over and over again in my life, and that is why I succeed. You know who said that? Arguably, but not, there's not too much argument, but arguably the number one basketball player of all time, the greatest player, Michael Jordan. He says, I've, he says I'm not a failure. I'm a success. But the reason I'm a success is because I've missed more than 9,000 shots, but I kept shooting. That I've lost almost 300 games, but I kept playing. 26 times I've been trusted to take the game-winning shot and missed, but I keep taking that game-winning shot. He didn't let failure define him. He let failure be a part of the process, and he kept going forward. Don't let failure define you. You're not a failure if you fail. You're human if you fail. We've got to get that through our mind. Number four, don't quit. Try again. Best example of not quitting, I think, is probably the life of Abraham Lincoln. Uh, Maybe our greatest president, maybe the one most admired. Uh, I realized recently that outside of Jesus Christ, more books have been written on Abraham Lincoln than any other person who ever lived. Take a look at his life, though. In 1831, Lincoln was fired from his job. The next year, 1832, he was defeated in his run for the Illinois state legislator, late, later. 1833, he failed in business, went bankrupt. 1834, he was elected to Illinois state legislature. That was his first success in three years. Next year, though, 1835, his sweetheart died. 1836, Lincoln had a nervous breakdown. 1838, he was defeated in, in his run for the Illinois House Speakership. 1843, he was defeated in a run for nomination for U.S. Congress. 1846, he was elected to Congress. But 1848, he lost the re-election. 1849, he he was rejected for a land officer position. 1854, he was defeated in his run for the U.S. Senate. 1856, he was defeated in a run for nomination for vice president. 1858, again defeated in run for U.S. president. Until 1860, He was elected president of the United States. You believe that? 29 years of failure. There was only three successes, significant successes, in that 29-year period amidst about a dozen pretty significant failures. But Lincoln kept getting up again. He didn't allow himself to be knocked down and stay knocked down. He just didn't quit. He kept going. Even in the face of you know just terrible tragedy of death and nervous breakdown and losses, he kept going. If we're going to fail forward, we've got to keep going. You can't let the failure 
define you. You can't let it beat you down and, and cause you to think that it's, it's useless. You can't uh, think that it's permanent. It's not. It's temporary. And you can keep going and get back up again. The one who fails is not the one who misses the mark. It's the one who doesn't get back up after the failure. So keep going. So number one, own your issues. Number two, accept failure as inevitable. Number three, don't let failure define you. Number four, don't quit. Try again. Number five, learn from the failure. What can you change and do differently? Thomas Edison, maybe our greatest inventor in the last, oh, 150 years or so, uh, when asked about something like 10,000 failures he'd experienced when inventing, he was asked, you know, what about those failures? How do they make you feel? And he said, I haven't failed 10,000 times. I now know 10,000 things that don't work. That's the attitude. Learn from the failure. Don't think about what you didn't do or couldn't do or how you didn't measure up, but think about now what you learned from that. Another famous person who learned from his failures and, and kept going was Walt Disney, that he, at a very, very early age, uh, showed a, a passionate entrepreneurial spirit and uh, even filed for bankruptcy, but he didn't let that defi- define him. He was born in 1901, and Disney formed Laughogram Studios in 1920. He was just 19 years old, and he made these wonderful animated fairy tales. He got a financial backer and began building a staff of animators, but the financial backer went broke, leaving Disney unable to pay his animators or his debts, and the company filed bankruptcy in in 1921. Can you imagine that? Being only 20 years old and already bankrupt. Well, two years later, three years later, he got a loan from, from family members and started a new company. And five years later, in 1928, it was when he created Mickey Mouse, causing his career to take off. But when he began to make his first full-length animated movie, which was Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, and that was nine years later in 1937, the costs outstripped available financial resources and production costs reached $1.5 million. That's in 1930s, three times more than the original budget. And the movie wasn't, uh, or movie almost wasn't released. Close to bankruptcy for a second time, Disney was able to get a bank loan to complete the film and release the movie. That was the event that set Disney on a roll that would last the rest of his life. The film grossed $6.5 million, more than four times the production budget. It became the most successful motion picture of 1938 and the most successful sound film made up to that point. It was followed by other Disney classics like Pinocchio and Fantasia. And when Disney died in 1966, he was estimated to be worth an incredible $5 billion. How did he get there? Well, he got there by using all the principles that we've talked about so far. He didn't let the failure define him. He didn't uh, stay down when the failure occurred. He got back up again, and he learned from the failure. He learned how to do things different, and he learned uh, that failure is temporary, and you can keep moving forward. So he learned, from just like Edison did. Number six, it's a little more personal one, and that is to talk to somebody. Bottled up failure is a sure way for the mental demons just to start pounding you with how bad you are, what a loser you are, how you're never going to make it, how you're never going to amount to anybody. 
And, and that can really, really, you know, that can depress you. That can, that can strangle the, the positivity in your life. This is really why recovery groups work so well, because people find out that they're not the only one who struggles. They're not the only one who, who battles with things and battles with addictions or hardships and failure. That there's other people who think like them and who have had lives like them and quite often lives that are worse than theirs, but they've gotten back up. So if they can get back up, I can get back up. You can get back up. So it's really important to have someone to talk to, to be able to air out and to um, just confide in. Now, of course, this person has to be trusted and someone that uh, you know will keep confidentiality. But it's, you got to have somebody that you can talk to so that these you know thoughts of failure and how uh, you know you're just pressured and um, you know feeling like you won't amount to much that they won't get a hold of you. So find someone that you can talk to. Number seven, we've talked about getting back up, but get back up quickly. Get up quickly and try again. I learned this when I was in high school. I was a sophomore in high school, and the uh, the high school diving coach found out that I had a trampoline in our backyard, and I could do flips on the trampoline, and um, nobody else really had those back then. So he recruited me for the diving team, and I'd never been a diver before. I you know, play around in the pool and you know, goof around, but never really you know, practiced any of that. So he was teaching me how to do uh, forward flips. And he got me to a place where he wanted to teach me how to do a, a double uh, double flip somersault. And But he wasn't sure I could make it all the way around. And so what he did was called a kicker, that when you, when you bounce on the board, the coach would press down further on the board in order to give you more spring off the board so you can make it around and, and I can hopefully do the double somersault. Well, I guess I had a bit more spring than than either one of us thought I had. So when I uh, when I went to do the the dive, he pressed down, gave me the kicker. But instead of doing a, a double somersault, I did a two and a quarter, which if you figure it out, it it means that instead of landing on my feet in the water, I landed splat face first, like all that momentum spinning just crack face first in the water. My eyes were wide open, so when I hit that water, there was a sudden you know, uh, temporary blindness even. So I came up out of the water and he's calling for me <laughs> and I'm kind of, kind of flailing in the water. I couldn't see anybody. I'm blind. I can't see anybody. And, uh, it was kind of comical at the moment, but, uh, but it hurt. It really hurt. And, uh, and I made it over to the side of the pool and kind of shook it off. And, and he was encouraging me and, and, uh, you know, saying, ah, oh, you know, I think you can do this on your own. You don't need the kicker. I said, yeah, you think? And he said, but, you got to get back on the board right now. I'm like, no, I'm not getting up on the board right now. That hurt. I'm not doing that again. He goes, no, you got to get up now. If you don't get up now, you never will. Fear will consume you. Fear will grab a hold of you and you won't get back up. Get up now. So I obeyed him. I got back on the board and I was scared, but I did it. And I did the double somersault. I hit it just right. And from then on, I could do it without fear. But what, what would have happened if he didn't make me get up right away? Fear very easily could have set in, and maybe I don't learn the skill and always have that regret in my life. So get back up quickly. Number eight, remember God's opinion of you. This is really important because other people will form an opinion about you. You will form an opinion about you because of your failures, 
But you've got to realize God does not have that opinion about you. He doesn't think you're a loser. He doesn't think you're a failure. Remember, Peter and Judas were loved the same. Jesus didn't love Peter any more than he loved Judas. He chose them both. It's just that Peter learned how to fail forward, where Judas did not. And he did not own it. He didn't get back up. He let the failure define him. He let the thing overcome him. He didn't reach out and confide in anybody. And he took his own life. It's it's a terribly sad ending. We don't have to have a sad ending. We can remember that God loves us. God gave his life for us. He already knows we're going to fail. He knows our future. If he already knows our failure before we even do it and still loves us, then of course he's going to stand with us. Of course he's going to be for us. So we have to keep that in mind. So let's fail forward knowing all of these things, knowing that God is with us. He's never going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you. If God is for you, the Bible says, who can be against you? So I hope this has really helped you to fail forward. You're going to fail. It's going to happen. Don't worry. It will. You're going to fail. But let's get back up. Let's keep pressing on. Let's learn from it. Let's not let it define us. Let's get back up quickly. And we'll realize that that our life can be full and abundant and joyful and content. God's for you. He's not against you. I hope this has helped you. I hope you'll apply these principles. And remember that if God is for you, who can be against you? This is Pastor Greg. This is Life 66.